Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Moon Knight. No, but I'm just a lad trying to do my best. You're Dr. Stephen Grant. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Moon Knight, Episode 4, titled The Tomb. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, and honestly, this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we all shout bingo and wake up from the dreams we've been dreaming... Let me introduce you to the other personalities joining me today. First up, he's a Marvel nut who's taller than King Tut. He's the Egyptian jackal, Justin Lawrence. What's up, my Moonies? How are you? How you doing tonight? <laughs> Moonies. Is that what we're going with? I kind of like the idea of the Moonies, like the Goonies. Yeah, exactly. That's at okay. the end of every comic book. They have What's Up, Moonies. It's like a section yeah? where people oh, can fan okay. right in. Oh, yeah. They talk about it, so That's it's kind of cool. I, I was thinking Moonies, uh, you know, perfect, perfect sentiment. That's where Stan Lee started his Excalibur. I want I want a fan art of the Moonies. That's just a bunch of Moon Knight fans, but it's the Goonies. Like, let's make it happen. I'm, I'll be gladly to be, you know, I can be Chunk if you want. Um, <laughs> and alongside him, <clears throat> let me clear my esophagus. As he gets out of his sarcophagus, he's cooler than Conchu. But if you make fun of his mummy, he's not afraid to haunt you. He's Kevin the Crocodile Hudson Chomp. Well, uh, unlike the mystery man at the or mystery person at the end of the episode, I'm glad you let me out of my sarcophagus. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, I, I mean, dude, you're definitely a personality I want hanging out with me as we uh, we run around uh, an institution like that. But also joining us for the first time on the podcast, it took way too long. He floats like a butterfly, but stings like a bee. His name's Mike with an E. He's Mike Smith from the Dumpster Talk Podcast. How's it going, Mike? That's amazing. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I was very trying to think if that worked. Here. I'm like, I'm actually nervous. I'm like a little starstruck. I'm like, oh my God, it's those oh, voices. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah. And it was Excelsior. That's what I, I need to Excelsior. correct myself. Otherwise I will get fan mail. So. Oh, oh, they're gonna write in. <laughs> it'll it'll be my email. I'll send it in. I am so stoked to uh, to discuss this episode with you, Mike, and and honestly to discuss this episode in general. We've been li- living with uh, this twist for an excruciating four weeks. Uh, one of the you know obviously we're super blessed to get these episodes early. You know, shout out to Disney Plus for for hooking us up, but. Still, man, it was we were not prepared when we hit that fourth episode for how long we had to wait. Um, but Mike, you know, before we kind of dive into the story, I want to know your high level thoughts on the series as a whole leading up to this fourth episode. Uh, whole series as a whole. Um, wow. I yeah, I've been super looking forward to it as a I'd say a half assed comic nerd. By no means am I mm-hmm. Darcy. Um, <laughs> but back in the day, I owned a few. I, I definitely was looking forward to it because it's a comic I hadn't read and knew very little about this this uh, hero. So I knew very little. I knew uh, DID was kind of this sort of background to the character. And it was like mm-hmm. Marvel's reverse answer to Batman was what I'd been told. Yes. And so I was like, oh, yeah. let's check it out. No idea that it had such a background in like Egyptian culture and all that. I was like, I mm-hmm. and, and like lore and history. Um, and I wish I paid more attention in history is about all that I could say, especially after this last episode. <laughs> so like I was just like, For oh sure. my God, I, I'm, I feel like I'm missing everything. Yeah, I feel like this episode, obviously, it has a lot of Easter eggs, you know, for Moon Knight fans of the show so far, especially in that that tale and twist. But I mean, even from an Egyptian mythology standpoint, you know, I'm pretty sure Stephen was 
geeking out all over the place, <laughs> and I'm sure anybody who's who's uh, who's watched uh, or sorry read up on Egyptian lore has uh, it was doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, man, going you know getting into this episode, um, obviously again we we will get to that big twist, um, but we're gonna kind of break things down and, and go through it. The nice part is is this is our first week back that we actually get to speculate and and talk about it as if we haven't already seen all of it because we have now caught up uh, and the rest of the world is caught up and I'm so stoked to dive in. So let's get into the episode. The story actually uh, picks up with an upside down spinning shot as we see Khonshu enslaved in his statue placed among what I have to imagine are all the other imprisoned gods. And then after the Marvel fanfare, we pick up this episode right where we left off with Layla and Steven avoiding Harrow's thugs. We see Layla using her cunning to avoid getting shot as she tosses a flare. She does the whole like Jurassic Park, you know, T-Rex <laughs> yeah, flare that's thing. That's what I thought too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then she tosses that onto the ammo uh, on, on top of a truck, causing it to explode. And we get this very distraught and shocked look from Steven, just like, what, 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 did you, what, who are you? Uh, and then we, you know, on the way to Amit's tomb, uh, we see Steven keeping the body from Mark and Mark is begging, you know, for Layla's sake to have, you know, control back. And we see Steven really falling for Layla here. And, and even a moment with them sharing a, a awkward, <laughs> romantic, I guess, kiss. Uh, of course, this is followed up with a, sw- a swift self-inflicted punch to the face from Mark as Steven stares longingly at Layla. So before we continue, I want to know, guys, what, what did we think of this sort of tender moment for Layla? Uh, and do you think that this relationship can even work going forward? Yeah, it's it's tough to say, right? Because this definitely does highlight a a sort of uh, thruple, I think is the proper term. Right. Uh, sort of like <laughs> a love, love triangle. Tri- a love triangle. And, <laughs> yeah. and one of them is the same person. So it's like, it, it is. it does seem like she loves parts of Steven, but I guess what she wants is that strength of Mark at the same time. There's just something mm. that she appreciates about both of them that you can see kind of happening in and out of of these moments. But yeah, I, I'm I'm wondering how they're going to play it up and and what 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 the happy ending is. I really think the only happy ending is that she becomes his villain. Like I feel like Ooh. that would be that's, that's kind of what I'm I'm into. Interesting. Wow, I, I didn't I didn't uh see it going that way, but I I do think it's interesting that, you know, if if Steven is somehow uh a fabrication or a, a creation of Mark that that almost represents maybe his youthful innocence, then mm. you can sort of see why Layla would be attracted to that. It's it's a part of Mark mm-hmm. that maybe she's never seen, but it's always sort of felt is in there. And so yeah. and so you can see why the attraction's there. But you know, usually when you when you start an affair, uh it's not uh you know in the same <laughs> with the body. same person. Uh, so, yeah, it's just yeah. that is that is very messy. Poor poor Mark, oh. that'd be really hard to deal with. I um I, I was having this conversation with my, with my wife and we actually realized that like if this is a manifestation of Mark's Stephen is all those things I think he wishes he could be for her. Yes. Is, mm-hmm. is yep. that is that kind of like what you guys get that vibe? Totally. The one th- the yeah. one thing that I've noticed that you guys haven't really mentioned um in previous episodes uh but I was wondering is how much does Mark actually care for her if he's asking out random girls on steak dates or is that well mike I, we'll, we'll I, get to that before I, I, justin oh. i know you've got a theory on <laughs> well, that i yeah, know you've got I, a theory I have on a theory. one episode of a comic today <laughs> which may explain what that is and so that could be maybe yeah. when we get into speculation i'm like okay well maybe this is yeah. where it's going but i the whole time i'm like wait a minute how much does he care he asked this girl out on a steak date like come on totally yeah I think we'll definitely uh, get a chance to talk about maybe a, a, another uh, personality that might have something to do with that. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I will say as far as who I want her to end up with, I like Justin. I like your idea of her potentially not in, ending up with, with either of them. But I do I do love sort of the the idea that, yeah, like you were saying, like um, Stephen is is almost uh, born from. Uh, Mark in the sense that Mark went into hiding Mm -hmm. and now you know this is his this is something that he created to stay connected with her in some way Um, I also love the awkward tension in this scene like Mm, very obviously that sort of like dry British humor where (laughs) he kisses her and she's like I'll go down first (laughs) his like face (laughs) so good as she's like tightening up the harness and and then his response I love Steven's response to getting kissed he just goes thank you yeah (laughs) and it's a bad kiss too like you can tell it's not even a good kiss. You can tell no, it's, it's his such first an kiss, and yeah. it's yeah. her looking for a kiss that's not there. 
Like exactly, it, it's, it, it was very well done. I think yeah. for me, it was the gentle like hand placement uh, wh- where he put his hands on her shoulder <laughs> to like brace her and himself for yeah. what was about to happen. Yeah. It, it was very awkward, but I, I like the music too. It kind of has like this sort of fake romantic moment to it. It's yes. just, you know, it's, it's hollow. Well, in so many of these big epic uh, movies that you get where there's a, mm-hmm. a love interest, it, it's usually a heroic hero who just gives... Uh, the damsel, if you will, the greatest kiss she's ever had, and so for it to be <laughs> flipped like that is is so awesome. I um I also want to shout out the cinematography in this section of the episode. Just at the 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 opener here, it, it's cool because it this is where the episode hit different for me right off the gate, where I I sort of felt like okay, this is something special. The the really sort of sprawling, wide aerial shots that we were getting of the desert um, and kind of just the, the different ways that they were capturing the episode. It just kind of, I don't know, it felt it felt like it was on another level for me, especially near the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I definitely... Uh, I'm interested to see where this this thruple goes, but uh, let's 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 belay down into the mm-hmm. next part of the episode. Uh, so What's after belay? a not so graceful, right? <laughs> yeah, are you? I can't tell if you're joking or not. Uh, so after a not so graceful fall into the ruins, we see Layla. Uh, she draws the Arabic letters, which translate to her father's initials, um, on the on on one of those like statues of the the panthers or, or whatever those were um and we discover that he died following his dreams as an archaeologist uh, steven recognizes the entire structure is shaped like the eye of horus uh the royal symbol of protection in the afterlife uh, and they learn that amit's final avatar was a pharaoh um they discover that the tomb would be discovered in the tongue on the symbol uh, and as they make their way deeper they discover fresh blood and little chunks of meaty bits <laughs> on a sacrificial table. Uh, after hearing some gunshots, they hear some <laughs> clicking noises uh, and witness a creature killing one of Harrow's followers and removing his organs. Trapped, Layla manages to sneak out as Stephen distracts the creature, uh, and we see her make a run for it as he manages to squish it. <laughs> Which, when he says, "I squished it, I squished it," it's just like that's incredible. So, before we before we move on, I want to know, like, we've got some more horror elements brought into the MCU. What did you think of these clicky blue guys? That's echolocation, right? Everyone, that's what I, yes. that's what I felt like. You definitely yeah. going that 100%. echolocation sort of vibe. Um, in terms of the the horror, I still feel like that was almost another little throw at Jurassic Park. Um, when Steven says, like, hide, uh, she did a poor job of hiding, but totally at the end of the, <laughs> right. that coffin there. Uh, the horror really amps up past this, though, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, yeah in, the yes. Next, in the next section. Yeah, and, and I think it'll connect with what I'm about to say here. But, you know, this felt very, uh, you called out Jurassic Park. I, I was thinking The Mummy, mm. even. Uh, yes. Uh, very much in that sense of, like, again, that sort of dark horror genre uh, aesthetic goes a little bit more than, I guess, you know, running down flashing hallways is what we've kind of gotten. Right, other... seen so far. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I think it gave me major Last of Us vibes, if anyone's played the game <laughs> Last of Us before with the, with the clickers. Um, and yeah, I course. just... The the I think the the freakiest moment is is her getting pulled into the dark, oh. and then you see her run out, and then it pulls her back again. Yeah. Um, that was really really well done, and I just thought that uh, yeah that that whole section with her sort of fighting off the the creature uh, was was really great, and I yeah. I'm I'm really digging Layla as a character in general. Well, and and the whole horror aspect of this scene is so great, just in how it it differentiates itself from the earlier parts when they first get into the tomb, which that's always one of my favorite parts of these movies is is that shock and awe and wonder you get. And usually it's, you know, an archaeologist who's been working really hard, but instead we get Stephen, who he's not even an archaeologist. He's just he's a a, an Egyptology geek. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. He, not only was he wasn't looking for this, he never thought he'd ever find himself in a place like this. So him just being in awe of the guardian lions and everything at the beginning of the scene was was really, really well done. I really felt felt that and then so again when the horror amps up 
you know, you realize he's he's probably quickly realizing this is why I never wanted to be somewhere like this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think you you really get that sentiment right off the bat when he falls in. He's like, if they if they told me a riddle, I would love it. I'd shit myself, but I, I would absolutely love it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it would be it would be hilarious. But uh, back to your note, Nate, about Layla. Uh, it's kind of one of the reasons why I think they could really build out her character to kind of be an antagonist to to Moon Knight. Mm. She is she's coming into her own her own sort of abilities. This mm. this actually really does showcase her sort of badass nature that she can kind of keep up. Uh, I, I think that this is this is really interesting how they're cementing it in, in mm-hmm. her character and it feels purposeful. It feels like they're really showing us this her acting's getting something like yes. up there too. Like she was she's been great, yeah. but this episode yeah. specifically I recognized it and was like, "Oh my god, like she's killing it in this." Well, speaking of killing it, I mean, even in in last week's episode, her her like raptor claw lunge, lunge yeah. forward, yeah. right? Speaking of Jurassic Park, right? Like yeah. lunging Sweet. into that guy and just completely taking him out with the with the moon shaped necklace that she has. There's definitely something going on with her character beyond sure. uh, even I think what we're gonna get to at the end of this mm-hmm. episode. So it'll be really interesting to see where they where they go with her. Um, but let's let's keep going here. We we then see Layla manage to uh, kill off the creature. And just as she lets out a scream of frustration, she's discovered by Arthur Harrow. Uh, now, the episode here splits up for a moment uh, to back to Stephen and then back to Layla. So we're just going to stay with Layla and then we'll get back to Stephen in a cool. moment. So uh, back with Layla, we see Arthur sort of he's like weaving his way into her mind as he brings up the story of Layla's father, uh, Abdullah Al-Fauli, uh, calling her my little scarab, which is what her dad would call her. Uh, and you can tell he's really tugging at her heartstrings, reminding her here that, you know, her dad would be so proud of her. And he reveals to her that her father was murdered by mercenaries and that Mark was there. Uh, and he almost sort of tricks her into thinking or believing in this moment that Mark might have killed her dad. Um, so let's talk about this interaction with with Arthur and Layla. You know, even from a across a chasm, we just see how Arthur proves to be so incredibly deadly and calculated. Um, what did you think of this? You know, moment between Ethan Hawke and May Calamoy in this scene. You're absolutely right, Nate. I think Ethan Hawke is is owning this role and bringing such depth to what I think is a character that does kind of provide expository information uh, at times. Uh, so yeah. what he's doing in this instance is he is providing that that background information that we already kind of knew. The episodes have been alluding to it. Um, I, I feel like this was not a huge surprise. It was just a, a real good confirmation to help set up, uh, I think, uh, the upcoming tension. Um, but yeah, like I, I do think that Ethan Hawke's portrayal in this moment feels more about him as you said, like weaving himself into Layla's mind uh, and kind of like trying to get under her skin, if you will, uh, yeah. from across the way. And he's doing it with his words. It's quite an intense moment, but also simple at the same time, if you think about it. Mm. I was I was going to say you haven't seen a villain like that in the MCU that really like is using their mind. But I think technically it's the same tactic as Kilgrave was doing in first season of, um, oh my God, Kristen Ritter's show. Jessica Jones. Oh yeah, um, um, which now Jessica I don't know if that out. is MCU. Some people are saying it is. Some people are saying it's not. We'll have so to wait and see. We'll have yeah. to wait and see. <laughs> but it's it's not the same performance by any means. But like very similar mm-hmm. tactics, and that's one of my favorite villain portrayals. Like I just love a really smart mm-hmm. villain. Doesn't have to like go around breaking things and and smacking stuff without you know to to be like I'm a villain. It's very subdued and yeah. methodical. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally methodical. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, it's it shows how yeah he's manipulative, and I I just love how he's so unnerving, even though he's kind of comforting at the same time. Like it's this really strange back and forth um, that you would have with him. You know, he's kind of just like a snake luring in his prey, and you almost have to wonder if if you know this might be sort of a little bit of a foreshadowing sequence. Obviously, you know we'll we'll get to the 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 big thing, but. It, you know what 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 other sequence would you see someone quietly calmly sitting across from someone talking to them uh you know might kind of uh allude to the idea that this is happening maybe not here uh specifically but maybe somewhere else I don't know I just after getting to the end of the episode and then looking back at that scene and rewatching it I was like ooh maybe this is in his office uh, that or he's just a real prick. I mean, the way he's sitting there basically with his legs crossed. Oh, that was lovely how you did that, you know, as she basically fought off an undead being to and barely scraped by to survive. You know, he's just yeah. a prick. And, this, and yeah. the things he but tells, just, are they yeah. real? Like when Justin was saying, 
you know, he's giving this expository information, like you hear it and you go, oh, he's he's telling this story of what previously happened, but you don't know whether to believe him or not. So it's kind of back and forth. Absolutely. It's that's that's yet to be seen. I I think we will see those events actually take place at some point. I hope so. In these next two episodes. Um, But I I think also, too, um, there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, you know, Layla's father being Abdul Faul, who would be the Scarlet Scarab that would uh, has been featured, having Egyptian lore in the Marvel comics. And this sort of take on the character is much different from the comics. And is it possible that Layla could potentially take up that mantle? Uh, this mm, is kind of where that, that presents itself as being interesting, given what they've revealed here about who her father was. I mean, her father must have had a huge, obviously a huge impact on the the archaeology world but then also on you know because in the previous few episodes i think um whether it be a positive impact or a negative impact because i remember uh there was a moment where layla had said something like oh my name you know people around here don't like my name or whatever so clearly you know something that her maybe her father did um Mm -hmm. but i'm just i feel like um you know he's for 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 harrow to get so under her skin by bringing up her father, obviously it meant a lot to her as well. Um, but it just was just, you know, even the moment where he's like, wake up and he's just yelling at her. You can tell that no matter what we're looking at here, Layla as a character has a lot of stuff going on um, that she needs to sort out. So let's let's keep moving on here. We get back to Steven uh, and we see him using his vast knowledge of Egyptian history, freaking out as he discovers the sarcophagus containing Amit's last avatar. Get this, Alexander the Great. Uh, and after some reconciliation with Mark, he digs deep into Mr. Great's gullet and finds the Ashabti containing Amit. Uh, but... With very little time to celebrate, he's confronted by a very upset Layla who screams at Mark, forcing him back into the body where he begs her to leave. She accuses him of killing her father, and he assures her that while he didn't kill him, he was there that day. Layla, mortified by this, comes to the realization that the man she married only met her because of the death of her father at the hands of Mark's greedy expedition partner. Crazy. So we get the reveal that Mark, you know, in a way, was responsible for the death of Layla's father. You know, digging into that backstory, that could be why not only uh, Mark met Layla, but also how maybe he even created Stephen. In a sense, like I feel like his guilt, you know, he had to share it with somebody and he couldn't share it with Layla and he had no one else. So while he's on the run, maybe that's where Stephen sort of came from and then. And, and kind of, you know, became his own thing. But, um, what you know, do we, do we think that it's possible that Mark's partner here um, might not be the one that actually killed her father, but could it have been, and Justin, I'll cue it up for you, another personality? Um, no, I don't think it was. I think, <laughs> okay. I think very much like the Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood comic run from from 2016 that you know nate and i we've we both talked about it on on a previous podcast that we've been reading um i think this is going to play out very much like that story but in a different order and i think we will see how mark and conchu came to be uh at some point in, in a flashback and we'll find out as mike was saying what story is true what parts of the story are true and what parts maybe are not true after just reading this this latest series i'm like there's a lot here that they're playing with that actually is true to to the story so i think what we've heard as the described circumstances of the situation are very likely to have taken place in that order. I think we just need to see that moment for ourselves now. Because in the comic, it, it doesn't actually happen right off the top. It happens much further in to the run. Yeah, I would check out those comics at some point. Yeah, definitely check those out. I started reading them. I fell hard in love with uh, Miss Marvel. <laughs> so I've been reading a ton of that. Um, and, and I'm almost done that. And then I'm going to jump into to Moon Knight to see what I've been missing. But uh, definitely check that out. For me, this scene was so frustrating because it was, you know, like Layla. I know that you're, 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 you've been bombarded with this news here, but a, you've got to get out of there, get out of the temple, and then confront him about what's bothering you. But also, b, 
you are in the presence of, of in, in, something incredible. I mean, Stephen has solved one of the great mysteries of the ancient <laughs> world in discovering the tomb of Alexander the Great, who is such an integral character and person in the history of Egypt that I was just like, no, focus on that. It's so cool. <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't get a long time to really be celebrated. But for me, being the history uh, guy that I am, it was, that was such a fun moment. I've never really seen that explored quite that way. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just knowing how important Alexander the Great is in Egyptian history, it, that was awesome for me. Daddy issues. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually love that they, you know, again, Marvel is finding a way to take real history and canonize it within the MCU, make it actually a part of of the stories the story. that they're telling yeah. and, and the world that they're building. And, and you know, this is just a great example of doing that. See, I, I feel like um, the 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 reason I kind of feel like it, it very well could go the route of this this additional alternate um, personality going full villain mode is is just that again I find Layla so likable that to to kind of move her into the anti-hero sort of realm I just don't know if it would if it would really really fully yeah. work um so I think I think you know to kind of go further and to say like Harrow's not the villain of this series M you know Mark is the villain of this series would be really interesting uh to see if they could if they if they do end up going that route but uh we'll have to we'll have to wait and see I honestly think if there is a villain that is to really be taken away, it could potentially even just be Conchu as, mm, as being, ooh, you yeah, know, yeah. Like the, the, the bad guy of it all, right? Um, and if it is, uh, like, yeah. do, do you believe, I don't believe Mark knows. Like, there was that sort of like, does Mark know, not know? But when he asked questions about that fight that they had, like, what did you do, Steven? Like, that's what kind of led to like, hey, there's somebody else potentially. But then also this oh, yeah. part in this one where he they see that other at the end, right? We'll get there. But Mark doesn't, he's not aware of it. I don't think he's aware of it. No, exactly. Yeah. If there is an mm. alternate, they don't have to ask permission to take over the body. Ooh. If there is a third alternate. And right? that's what so. makes the, them the mm. chaos that Harrow sees in him. It's not Mark that he sees mm -hmm. in him. It's someone else. And we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to it. Don't worry. We're getting there, folks. We're almost there. Let's get to the ending. Uh, let's talk about this. Mark is confronted by Harrow and his crew, uh, and he pushes Layla to hide uh, as they storm the room. Harrow recants his experience of waking up without Khonshu that first morning and how quiet it was. Uh, and he tells Mark he, was, uh, he has a very important decision to make. And just like that, Mark takes out three men using that axe. I guess it was Alexander the Great's axe <laughs> and is shot twice by Harrow. At this point, I was like flipping out. Uh, Mark <laughs> falls backwards into the water and floats into the light. Now, I'm going to keep going for this next part. So give me just I'm going to breathe in some more breath here. That light is revealed to be coming from a flashlight held by a fictional character named Rosser. As the as we change the aspect ratio and go into four by three, we see Rosser traversing the Aztec jungles with adventurer Dr. Stephen Grant. Uh, and as we see the camera slowly pan out, it's revealed that Mark and everyone else we've seen in the show are inside a psychiatric hospital. We see Donna. We see the woman who made Layla's fake IDs. We see the gold statue man who, in the comics, Justin would call out, is named Crowley. Uh, and then we see Layla and Mark as they win a round of bingo. Mm -hmm. Mark finds himself heavily sedated in front of his doctor, Arthur Harrow, who tries to have a conversation with him. Not having it, Mark freaks out, recalling that Harrow shot him, and he runs out of the room. He hides in a room with a shaking sarcophagus, and inside he discovers Stephen now in a separate body from his own. Stephen and Mark continue their escape and pass yet another shaking to a sarcophagus um, until they're stopped by some very loud stomping coming from beyond the doors in front of them. The doors open, and they're greeted by the hippo goddess Taroet, who simply says, Hi, as Mark and Stephen scream in disbelief, and they, they kind of fall back and hold each other, and it's absolutely fantastic. So, whew, okay, so... Before we discuss where we think Mark and Steven are, uh, which we're going to save for our prediction segment, I want to know your first reactions to this moment and everything you noticed as it was starting to unravel. Mike, as, your, as our guest, uh, why don't you go first? Um, I mean, from a production standpoint, I loved it. 
um, both both my wife and I and I literally we walked I walked out of the room and in here and turned on my computer to record this. So like that's literally the last <laughs> thing I saw before looking at my computer. Um, and I I just remembered that's that scene like him floating into the light and that light turning into what I thought was going to be the moon. Like come on, it's moon night. So I was totally. like, oh, this has got to yeah. be the moon. I'm sure that was intentional. And then it turns out mm-hmm. to be this flashlight in what very obviously was a TV show, but I still, I'm, I'm so gullible, turned to Kate and I'm like, this, this is a TV show, right? It's in 4-3 and it's like really bad and it's poorly scripted, <laughs> it's poorly acted. I'm like, this is a TV show, right? And then as it pans out a little bit more, I'm I'm, I'm proven true. I was like, okay. Uh, and then just enthralled. I, I didn't know what to think. I was not expecting it. I was completely th- thrown for a loop, uh, but enjoying every second of it, especially right up until uh the hippo goddess hippo hippo lady hippo, yeah <laughs> hippo lady yeah like i just i loved every second of it it was it was very well done i didn't even notice all those characters were characters i recognized them oh, i didn't yeah. even notice them I... yeah because like you called out um um crowley no not crowley the woman that uh helped layla get her passports what was her passports name yeah uh, I, we never got a name for her, her mom i don't think no. that was her Isn't it her mom we thought, thought it was her mom so we thought yeah it was, but might not okay. be yeah i i don't think it was her because i know someone else said they thought it was her but it definitely oh. wasn't her okay the one that's drawing the, the yeah because you figure the, she's, the, she's she's the one right she's giving identities she's drawing fake i you know what i mean mm-hmm. like she's drawing conchu sure. as an identity sure. i don't know that's i think she was I think she's one of the people from the Swiss scenes, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Mm, the but German yeah. town, yeah. yeah. But there were so many different callbacks to all the different parts of the Dude. episodes. Like we saw cupcakes, we oh, saw the Rubik's yeah. cube, mm-hmm. you know, Crawley, the painting in the office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The painting in the office, the table where was the HR, the same place that he did the HR conversation. There's all these different little layers that harken back that put you in a place of well, what did we just watch what were the last like three almost four episodes like were they real were they not well it's just such a fun direction for the show to take i mean obviously there's a lot of mystery going on into into just how these personalities work and and how they function together and everything like that but i mean we'd gotten to a point where it seemed fairly straightforward you know they were trying to stop arthur harrow you've got these gods who are obviously in in conflict with their ideals and everything like that but then all of a sudden out of nowhere the whole show just flips you over you know you know steven saying like oh the little meaty bits that's me picking those up and putting my brain back together after (laughs) my mind has been blown you know yeah like this was just wild i was just slack jawed watching the screen as this all unfolded Uh, yeah in in the the middle of the before we got all got whacked part, um, there was definitely a point where I'm like, man, this is just a really fun take on. And I'm, I think I'm thinking of one of your guys thoughts where it's a really fun take on like Marvel's Indiana Jones, you know, except. Yeah. Yeah. With its own spin and a little bit. More, it's Tomb Buster. Yeah. Like it's a bit yeah, of a Tomb Buster. Yeah. And I'm like, really it's cool. Buster, and then all yeah. of a sudden just. <laughs> Bam, like M. Night Shyamalan, like at the beginning of the story somehow, like <laughs> just crazy. Well, it's 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 really cool. Again, we, we do see a ton of those, obviously, uh, little references. Even the scarab that um, that Don uh, Donna is holding uh, is the one it's that she was trying yeah. to, you know, one of the stuffies from the museum. <laughs> yeah. um, some of the things I wanted to, to sort of just shout out, like, um, you know, I think there's two li- really subtle things that are, are in this sequence that really got to me, uh, one of them being the fly. So we see a fly that flies onto Mark's uh, mm-hmm. hand or, or something like that as he's sort of coming to the as the moment it sort of lands on him. He hits that realization and it, it harkens back to a line from episode two um, where I believe Mark Spector says to Stephen Grant as he's in the mirror, most of the time it will take all your willpower just to be a fly on the wall. And I oh. love that they were able to still pull in some of these really subtle things. Um, there's a moment when when Mark is running away from Harrow, uh, and Harrow says, um, "You have to take inventory of your feelings," which calls back to Stephen every time he was uh, on. You know, he was being punished for his tardiness at the he museum. Had to take inventory. Yeah. He was he had yeah, to yeah. do inventory duty, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's just these little things that are are so cool in how they they built it out all the way from the beginning. And obviously, they, they knew what they were doing. Um, but they've been giving us hints from the beginning. The little girl that Stephen meets uh, mm-hmm. in the museum, who who he who comes up to him, like one of the first characters he interacts with, uh, and she says, she said, and did that suck for you? Uh, you know, not being able to pass through the field of reeds. 
And he's like, well, for that, I'd have to be dead. And it's just this really like weird line that you can totally overlook and not think about for for four episodes and then you get to this moment and you're like they these mother they've been doing it since the beginning um the, there's a moment just one more thing i want to call out where we see donna asking him to pick up a, a box of plush tarawet hippos and he literally calls out the goddess by name in that moment and yeah. so it's just like they've they've just found a way to sneak all this stuff in to the point where i was just like I, I want to go back and rewatch it with this lens and, and getting to do this watch club and, and really like focus in on these things. It's so cool to see some of these little things that you're like, the, they the put seeds. this stuff yeah. right in front of us the entire time. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think that leading up to that, that's what makes this payoff feel so good mm-hmm. too, yeah. is to, to think back to this, those little moments to, to understand how it was all hinting at, at this, this inevitable sort of flip in the script. Do you think this is reality now and everything was a dream, quote unquote? I mean, that's that's definitely, you know, one of the the tricky things. I think we'll 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 quickly touch upon that in our our predictions mm. overall as to what we think this Fair. is where where this is, what's happening, where is this going? Uh one thing I wanted to focus on though just before we do that is the shaky tomb or the, sorry, the shaky sarcophagus that we we didn't open uh, that that uh, Kevin kind of called out right at the beginning of the episode here. Um, Justin, I'm going to throw it to you. Obviously, our resident, uh, you know, Darcy's not here tonight, and and you're the only one uh, of us that have read the Moon Knight run. Um, you know, who who do we who do you think this is, uh, and and do you think we're going to get to see them in in the next couple episodes? Well, I think the internet feels like it's it's definitely Jake Lockley, uh, the mm-hmm. third persona of of Moon Knight. Uh, he is known to have th- these three identities, um, and we haven't been introduced to him. And I think people were kind of, uh, you know, taken back at the fact that they were only doing two and not three, but they thought, oh, he's probably hidden in there. And I think, you know, we've had th- three separate incidences a- across the last four episodes. Uh, Mike, you pointed it out the the date. Who's going to make that date? It's not going to be. Mark, it's not going to be Steven. He's married. Yeah, He's, Steven's yeah, too right? afraid. Yeah, Boom. There's your first instance. The second one uh, was obviously the when they were uh, at the cliffs in, yep. in Egypt, and you know they were who killed all these people. They don't know. Yeah. Um, so someone is clearly able to take over without having to necessarily ask for permission. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of clear. Um, and then yes, getting to this point in this episode to see that tomb shaking and them not to go address it, you know that was kind of the the final confirmation that there's another there's another personality that's that's afoot here uh what that is i don't know but i i have a feeling it would have to be jake lockley but they're having liberties with these characters like in in the comics stephen grant is this rich billionaire bruce wayne type here he's mm-hmm. a bumbling unconfident uh individual who is you know he's a basic geek mark specter is definitely a mercenary both through and through the comics and here so and jake lockley was was a cabbie was a british cabbie right so could you know if you're bringing in the british into stephen grant what is jake lockley's character going to look like uh if you know are you gonna have two british personas i don't think so i think the persona might be a bit different and because he seems to (laughs) yeah yeah we'll 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 see because you know he'll be you know, give the Emmy to to Oscar Isaac for when this when it comes around for this uh, show because seriously, if he's acting three characters, he deserves it. He's been well, and this is this is where it really brings up the idea to me. I think that yeah, Marvel loves to take the comics and then you know <laughs> make these small adjustments, and I think a small adjustment to Jake Lockley's character could be to push him to be even more dark, even more. Yeah of sort of that evil character. So again, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming out with that one. I, um, I, I, I believe that this is definitely, there's a third character coming for sure. sure. Um, yeah. this morning on my way to work, I read one episode and it's actually the 2014 run. It's writing's okay. But there was a part that they mentioned Konshu having four different sort of personality traits. And oh. they mentioned two that I'm like, Oh, well that's, definitely a steven type and that's definitely a mark type and i'm like i don't know these other two and then somebody had mentioned was it jake jacob something that you just said yeah and somebody mentioned that name and i'm like oh it's another one and so um they had also talked about moon knight having ripped off someone's face and i was like okay that's really out of character so all of that kind of coming together and then watching this episode i'm like oh there's a third one and like i have a feeling he's like 
he's way left field from the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the only character that we've seen spill a ton of blood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Besides Mark right at the end there, and you could almost even argue that in those slight moments, that could have been, we could have seen in the Jake first in, episode. That, in that very moment. Right? In, in that in first episode? Of, yeah. In the first episode when he kills all those people in the middle of the street in, in that Swiss town. We don't know right? that was yeah. Mark. Exactly. We don't, we don't know, know that, that was that's Mark. At all. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think even in the moment where he's... <laughs> right, where he's holding the axe and he's he's chopping that guy and he throws it into the chest of the other guy. Again, that could have been Jake in that moment clicking in. Um, because as you said, Justin, I don't think in this in this plane of existence that he, he needs permission to come in. No. But... Let's get to our speculation and talk about where we think, you know, where, what's going on here. Where are they? Um, this is our prediction segment for this watch club, which we get to do for the first time, which I'm super stoked about, um, which we're going to be calling What the Pharaoh is Going On. Uh, so <laughs> that's the best I got. That's, uh, listen, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm not on that much sleep tonight. Uh, so, uh, yeah, What the Pharaoh is Going On. I want to know what do you think is really happening um, I think for this, uh, you know, who wants to kick us off here? Who wants to tell us your deep, Click deep thoughts? Go. Mike, do you have any theories on what's going on here? Um, oh, man. So I'm not a big fan of that, of the writing. It was all a dream thing. Like that really bums me out when that gets to that. Yeah. And I'm sure most people 100%. agree with that. So I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, I'm hoping this is maybe one it's of not, the yeah. personalities is contained all of them in one spot somehow. That's my goal. Um, or my, my dream, sorry, not my goal, but if I was writing it, it would be my goal. Uh, but that would be my yeah. dream to be like, like I'm just making this What up. personalities have you enslaved, Mike? Yeah. What other personalities yeah. are you hiding behind you right now? Yeah. No, I wish they were the writers. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, I, that's what I hope. Like, I really hope that it's not all a dream. As far as like where it's going, like, I'd love to see it be almost an internal struggle. Like Arthur Harrow's a great villain and he's and he's really great, but I can't see him being the massive battle at the end of the series. There's going to be mm. some sort of massive struggle, whether it be big and showy. I feel like Marvel's kind of steered away from that a little bit now and then, you know, it's about 50-50. So I think we're we're going to see a really big struggle at the end, and I don't think it's going to be Arthur Harrow. I think it's going to be Moon Knight himself against himself yeah. um That'd be cool and that that's my that's my prediction my my biggest thing i want i can't wait to see is the impact of this in the greater mcu obviously that'll be more near the end of your watch club probably where that kind of goes i think this could have been a movie though i really feel like it's big enough and the character's good enough and maybe marvel didn't want to take the risk but personally i'm i'm looking at watching and looking and enjoying the music, the backdrop, the characters, the script, everything is really, really high quality in this. And I think that this could have been a movie. I just I just wonder if, you know, especially with how episode four ends here and they have so so much more story to tell in just two more episodes, I'm not sure there's enough time in a movie to tell the story they're they're telling here. They need that extra two hours that a, a six episode or a, a yeah, a six episode television show sort of allows uh, them to, to take on. That's fair. Yeah, you can spend more time with the characters in the story. I think if you can look at the productions that you're doing as still the same investment for a movie versus a TV show, that they're the same investment, but you're just elongating the story. I think mm. that that's a win-win for everyone. You know, like something like The Eternal should have been a series, right? Because mm, it probably definitely. would have sat better with definitely. audiences. And I feel like to to take what they're trying to do here and condense it in a movie, it would have to be two movies or, or maybe three. Who At knows? Least. Really? I mean, I feel like even of... with Stephen Grant, you know, we wouldn't yeah. have gotten as much time with Stephen Grant. Yeah. And, and especially if they have to kind of push the audiences to say like it's not the Stephen Grant you were looking for we're sorry but we think you'll like this version too um, no. I think they needed the time to to really um, flesh that out but um, Justin you you were gabbing all over my ears off air and I was like save it for the podcast <laughs> well because so yeah, you, we, yeah we called it out I, I've been reading the Jeff Lemire and, and Greg Smallwood comic run from 2016 yeah. and I was very surprised uh, in the very first issue that this is where we find our our character is in this place is in a, a, a sane asylum and 
it's it's used in the comics it's used as a place where all spiritual beings can be um mm. and it's called the the overvoid uh it's been referenced it was referenced yep. in last week's episode as sort of being like the home of the gods and and how they're able to transport themselves from their spiritual to the earth through their avatars and and so on so i i I believe that this is where we are finding Mark. He is stuck here. It, this is a manifestation of his mind that has created it that I think either is something of his past, like he, he's been in a, a mental institution, or because he was given that that pamphlet earlier, he believes that he needs to be in that sort of facility. That's why he's created this this sort of place. And there's subtle hints in the last 10 minutes here that really do imply that this is a dream. Because I, I, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think that this has been all a dream. It's, it's, it's definitely getting weird. Um, but, you know, that does that Inception moment yeah. where, you know, it kind of slants. And as we know from that sort of Inception, that's usually when the brain is sort of aware of the confines of the of the dream. So it starts to shift and he snaps himself out of it. And also the fact that he was able to confront Stephen Grant finally physically, like he hugged, yeah. him, he embraced him. Huh. Exactly, right. So yeah. there's this. This is obviously a place where these these two entities can live together rather than live in, in one. And that's that feels very spiritual. And obviously, given the fact that we we see the lovely hippo god at the end there, I think that's kind of going to be the guide that's going to help them get to back to the other side here. And I don't know, five and six are going to be really interesting, but I, I feel like episode five, the penultimate is going to be very much like WandaVision's penultimate, where we're going to get a lot of answers. Hmm. We're going to get a lot of answers that are going to help set up and then really punt us off into uh, episode six in the finale. Yeah, Speaking of Tawarit, um, a lot of thirst tweets. A lot of thirst <laughs> tweets going around I've been seeing for this this. <laughs> Oh, lady. I mean, you know, I've been Let's seeing go. memes of Let's I've been go. seeing memes Curvy of lady Lola rocks. Bunny, right? I've been seeing memes of Lola Bunny, and then the new version is is Tarouette. It's a very um, charismatic, uh, like high. Like I was, absolutely. I was very like, yeah. wow, okay, she's very yeah, charming. Yeah, I see more yeah. of um, but, <laughs> but she is, um, she's known as a a uh, sort of a, a protector. Um, she is a guide. She's also known as a nurse. Uh, as well within Egyptology, so I could totally see that playing into your to the to the idea that maybe she is the one that does sort of help them uh, through th this next step or this next part of their journey um, away from whatever's going on with Harrow. Well, and even maybe away from Conchu and his control, if she's you mm. know she sort of represents rebirth, and so if they're True. able to to sort of uh, come out of this and free themselves of, of his control and find their own power somehow, I could see her being the guide for that as well. I don't know, like, Kev, you said you're you're a big history buff, so I'm not too sure where this might fit into that, but um, one thing Kate and I were wondering, especially Kate, when they were zooming out and you saw them take Conchu's little um, statue, I forget what they called it, put it on the little shelf and they were zooming out and you saw maybe about 10 others or something like that, she was expecting it to to pan, like continue to pan and you'd see hundreds if not thousands of them and i was like oh mm -hmm. that would be you know this is happening for a really long time so like how long has this been going on and after what you just said nate is this is this actually something that they can replace like can the moon god be replaced by someone else like can conchu come back and have a different personality can it have well, uh something different happening yeah. you know like what, what where can that go or is conchu just going to mm -hmm. come back and be a cranky old bastard I love how you're thinking, Mike, because you're kind of playing into a little bit of, of what I had written down in terms of uh, my thoughts on on where this is and what this is. It's kind of a combination of a lot of that in the sense that, um, yeah, the 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 Ashabti, is that I think what it's called? Um, mm -hmm, right. Maybe that is maybe that's where Mark is mm -hmm. uh, right now um, inside one of those. Uh, those statues, and that's where all of them are. And yes, it is this um, this overvoid, the world between worlds. Uh, and I feel like. In a in an interesting, I, c I could see them going with an interesting take here, where they actually reveal to us that Stephen, Mark, Jake, and Conchu are all Conchu. They're that he yeah. isn't he isn't an avatar. He's not an avatar. Moon Knight is Conchu, and that could be a huge change up for them to kind of say like, okay, yeah, maybe he got his powers from the original Conchu, but in bestowing his powers to him, he became Conchu. And I'm just wondering if that could be a, a place where they're taking it. And and Conchu, 
you know, gods. We're seeing obviously with the the Thor trailer and and you know getting to see gods in Eternals struggling with the struggles of man. You know, mm-hmm. to see a god like Khonshu suffering from multiple identity disorder, which is a very obviously a human thing. I could see that really freaking the gods out and then forcing him into this situation or this place where he has to work his way through that um, as a god. I don't know. I, I, that's something about that sort of really worked for me as a, as a theory. And I feel like it would really solidify the Moon Knight character by the end of this series as well to just say, like, he is the Moon Knight like or the god. You know, I don't know. Something well, like they're that. not going to... Marvel's never going to sh- say something bad or... Um, sort of put down the idea of disassociative disassociative identity disorder, I think it is, right? DID. Yes. Uh, They're definitely not going to put that down for any reason. Like, they're going to definitely say that, like, that's not a sickness, that's not a bad thing. Uh, It's something that people need to work through, and I think, and and can get help for, and they can get away from that. So there's, there's definitely going to be some sort of struggle like that, and I can't imagine that Moon Knight and all the personalities and Khonshu are all going to come out on top somehow. Totally. But I do feel like to that point, how how much better to villainize the gods in general that mm. we've been looking yeah. at, the Ennead in general, than to say that they they see this disorder as, oh yeah, the puny human thing that you're 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 uh, suffering from because maybe you've spent too much time with, with Hathor and she's too loving and she love you know, there's this whole backstory that we got that. from that whole Ennead thing, and I'm just wondering if that plays into it somehow. I can but. see that. Sure. Sorry to Sure, sure. sure. No, no, for sure. I, 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 I think that that's. I think you're right, though, to say, Nate, that there, it, it'll definitely come around. Just affirming who Moon Knight is, and even with three identities and Conchu's powers, like how that's all going to pan out. Because mm-hmm. it's really interesting in the Jeff Lemire and, and Greg Smallwood run that how they perceive Conchu and and very much how Conchu is something that Mark has to seek out uh, for for reasons without spoiling it because I know Nate you're going to read it but Same, yeah. he has to seek him out so um, it, it's it's interesting how they can do it so they they have they have so much that they can pull from to really help tell this story the best way they can interesting exciting cool do we have anything else before we want to get to our overall thoughts and final score I just yeah. wanted to call out the score of the whole up to these four episodes <laughs> since you said the word sure, score yeah. it reminded me I I'm over overwhelmed with how amazing it is and i can't wait to have that as a playlist to to listen to well mm-hmm. well i read that run of of moon Knight. like like kate called it out she's like oh i love the music and i was like yeah overall like it's some sort of egyptian hip-hop infusion like i, I just love yeah. it it's just been really really cool and um, a nice fresh take for the marvel universe it helps to encapsulate the culture that is present in egypt as of now yeah. Right. It doesn't it doesn't try to push it back to its historic. It, yeah. it embraces some of those sounds, but it also shows the future of of what that, those sounds and that music looks like. So I think it's such a great way whenever you can infuse like culturally relevant music to help Black Panther. Of, exactly. Like yeah, very yeah. like it's it has a, a, a breath to it that feels separate from the story, but helps just accent it so well at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. Shout out to uh, to series uh, musician Hesham Nazi, nice. uh, who did the music. Love it. Um, so definitely. We'll be seeing that probably released uh, as soon as the episode or as soon as the the show wraps. I'm sure we'll see uh, a nice big soundtrack, and there will be there will be the vinyls that we'll have to all buy and all that <laughs> stuff, uh, and not just pop vinyls. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's get to our overall thoughts and final score. Which I think for this episode, we're going to be giving um, our 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 scale on a sorry a rating on a scale of one to five. Moon Knight action figures which do i want an exact replica of that little grubby action figure that he holds a hundred percent did i learn somewhere on the internet uh that that's actually a skeleton a repainted skeletor uh, action <laughs> figure <laughs> so i'll have to find one on etsy maybe i don't know if marvel would would be able to release just something paint like it that yourself yeah maybe i'll just paint it myself <laughs> or I'll, you know what i'll pay someone to paint it i'm lazy but there are uh, there are moon knight <laughs> figurines why would they I'm go sure that i don't i want that one i want the skeletor one um but mike as our guest i'm gonna get you to go first i want you to give your overall thoughts for this episode and your uh your rating on a scale of one to five moon knight action figures i uh i purposefully didn't choose a rating going into this not that i had a lot of time but i was like uh, i first I was like, they're going to ask me a score and I don't really know. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to all your thoughts because I feel like there's been a few times I've heard Nate go, Oh, I'm changing my mind. And a few people, (laughs) you know, people change their mind. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely 
it's so excited that it went the the way that it did this this episode and i i can't wait to see where next episode goes so i think i have to give it a five out of five moon knight action figures mm-hmm. I thought you were going yeah. meaty bits. I was waiting for meaty bits, but I didn't oh, want to meaty off. bits. Oh, but, uh, but, I, but I was like, one. action figures, that's that's pretty good, too. Oh, man. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I love Missed it. opportunity. <laughs> okay, wow. we're changing it. We're changing it. Justin, how many meaty bits are you giving? Uh, how many meaty bits are you going to give this episode? <laughs> yeah, like I love this episode because it really does continue the adventures of last week, giving us some of the best mummy Indiana Jones vibes yeah. as of yet. It delves yeah. deeper into the Egyptian myths and, you know, with puzzles and tombs and the living dead mummies hiding in the dark. It's it's great. It blends the adventure with the horror masterfully and it, and it continues to serve up answers uh, to questions while while leaving mystery around other things to mm-hmm. be explored further. And of course, as we've talked about, the last 10 minutes sets up what for what will be the biggest mystery of of the rest of the season um and and kevin you pointed it out you know this this series started so conventional in in its marvel style you know the hunt for the macguffin the pending doom mysterious threats all turned upside down with the introduction of the question did it all really happen <laughs> and yeah. you know i just feel like jeff lemaire and, and and greg smallwood comic run has such uh, an influence here in this series and you really do see it. You saw it early on. I can I can now have read it, read it, and thinking back to the episodes, you can see what they were pulling, and it's just a different way of telling this story, and it's going to serve a different purpose. And as I mentioned, the Overvoid. It's so cool that they're incorporating that in here. They're showing a sort of transient mm-hmm. place where spirits will be, and again, the next two episodes are going to really be <sighs> interesting. I think we're going to get a lot of answers, and you know. Mark, I think we're going to find out how Conchu and Mark came to be. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, and this episode definitely did that for me. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 Mood Knight action figures. All right. You don't think, oh, wow. So you think it's going to, it, it could go up from here. You're, you're, you're I, hopeful I th- on that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll preface this. We always say this when we give these ratings. At, at, at a certain point when we get down towards the end, this episode could be a 5 out of 5. True. Mm. Yeah, That's yeah, fair. Yeah. I hear you. Again, I think that... If this is a setup, how does it end, and how do we get to that conclusion if yeah. we're if we're kicking it off this way? So. I fully rated yeah. for potential. I can admit that. Like, there, there's definitely. <laughs> the, I'll, I'd probably a four point five, and I gave it a half a half point just for potential. Just because <laughs> you trust uh, them. Yeah, I trust them. I'm just like I've I've jumped off that ledge and just been yeah, like, exactly. You, Marvel, you got me. <laughs> Kevin, how about yourself? How many meaty bits are you gonna? Uh, and how how do you want the steak done? By the way. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> well done. Oh no, never well done. If you if you cook your steak well done, you don't like steak. Order something else off the menu. Uh, you know, I think uh, uh, looking at this episode, if you even just take away the last ten minutes, I had so much fun with this episode. It was such yeah. a great mm-hmm. sort of pinnacle to the adventure we'd gone on with these characters over these first four episodes, and. And it really did plunge into that adventure epic aspect. And I was just loving every bit of it. And so that already would have earned probably my highest score that I've given an episode so far. And then all of a sudden that 35-minute mark hits and it's just bonkers uh, to the finish line. Uh, I will say, uh, you know, just like Justin's score might improve based on where the show might go my score here could drastically plummet if it does turn out that everything we've watched over these first four episodes mm-hmm. was a fabrication was a creation and, and it to take place in somebody's head but i really do think it's the other way around and i do think that when we get some answers here it's going to be it's going to be a lot more satisfying than that i have a lot of high hopes for for how they're going to sort of explain what what takes place in the last few minutes of this episode and and just that excitement and, and anticipation. I mean, it's not just that we've been waiting a month. It'll be five weeks uh, by the time we get to episode five next week that we've been going, what the hell is going on? And so, you know, <laughs> it's so great that the show's created this for us. And it's totally not the show's fault that we've had to suffer in agony and, <laughs> and, and waiting for all this time. Uh, so, yeah, just this is one of my favorite episodes of a Marvel TV show to date just because I don't think there's been 
really a twist or a, a, a WTF moment quite like this, mm-hmm. even in WandaVision. I think this surpasses some of those moments for me. And so wow. uh, I'll do it. I'll, I, I, rarely, I rarely give out the, uh, the, the perfect score, but I'm, I was just so blown away and just, just so excited by everything. I'm going five out of five meaty bits covering a Moon Knight action figure. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Man. You yeah. know what? That would, be, that would be if I screw up the paint job. Right, and I, <laughs> and I just I just get some meaty bits all over it. Um, As a longtime I, listen, listener, I gotta throw. Up, I yeah. don't think I've heard Kevin give a five out of five. Like I, I may oh, have missed wow. one. Uh, maybe I, one or very two. Very rare. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've heard those episodes, whatever they were, because I, I definitely was wowed when you just said like I rarely do it. I'm like, is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do <laughs> yeah. it? I just yeah. yeah. I, it's uh, there's a secret. There's a secret Eternals episode where he gave it a five and then changed his mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just right. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> But uh, for me, this episode had, you know, everything that I want, not only as a as a Marvel, you know, Disney Plus show fan, but a Moon Knight, you know, starting to dip into the comics uh, fan in general. So I love this episode. I love how visibly it starts off so grandiose and then kind of like the episode itself, it gets deeper and deeper and darker uh, as we sort of dive into this tomb and almost sort of dive into the depths of of hell or wherever this this eventual void place is um and i just again the mummy vibes right the indiana jones vibes the, i love i'm such a sucker for meta stuff the moment they sort of start making fun of themselves or sort of started saying like yeah this feels like indiana jones right well here's tomb buster uh, which is basically which is indiana jones like they're they're just putting it right in front of us and i love I love when they they put in all these little tiny details that we can go back to later and 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 see again with 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 these these new eyes and you know it just reminds me of how when I when I used to study Lost like Lost would come out and every week I would just sort of sit there and study the show over and over and over again and we weren't even doing a I I I, I, I dream of the multiverse where we did a watch club for Lost maybe 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 one day when we have a, a ton of time on our hands I'll do that one uh, with we you. can do that. I, right, I'm a please. Huge fan. Let's go. Um, but uh, but listen, they are on a tightrope with this episode, like you guys said. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can jump off and stick the landing. Um, but even if this is the best episode in the series, I think I'll still be happy with the way that even just this one went. Um, so yeah, I'm giving this episode five out of five. Moon Knight action figures covered in meaty, meaty meaty bits uh but that is that is it uh before we make like a mummy and and wrap things up mike did you have anything you wanted to plug for our listeners so they can hear more of your lovely self um yeah, I, I do a podcast actually with a friend of mine, Justin Baloney Jones McDonald, called Dumpster Talk. Um, we started <laughs> yeah, back in Baloney 20- Jones. Yeah, it's, it's a dumb nickname. Uh, but uh, we started that back in 2018. It's had its trials and tribulations through everything, and then COVID kind of gave it a big hit. But we released another episode. We're yep. We're gonna take it uh, back on the road, I guess, and. Try to, to to just excel at it a little bit further. Uh, I doubt it'll be ever as professional as this podcast, um, and it's <laughs> definitely a lot more explicit than this podcast. But it's uh, <laughs> something that I can't wait to to start bringing in guests and and have people join us to just have some fun, shoot the shit. Yeah. Just we 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 have no plans, and it is called dumpster talk for a reason. So yeah. That's cool. That's cool. You find it on all the platforms. We're open to explicit, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll we'll uh, maybe we'll make a geek centric appearance after dark on the Dumpster Talk podcast, and maybe my parents won't listen to that episode. Um, but uh, I, <laughs> not that they listen to these episodes, but um, <laughs> but uh, I want to just quickly shout out like. Yeah, Dude, sure. as as somebody who has a Dumpster Talk t-shirt, uh, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the Dumpster Talk podcast, a uh, big fan of Baloney Jones himself. His hot dog Instagram is absolutely legendary. Uh, if you're a fan of just terrible looking but somehow delicious at the same time looking hot dogs uh you gotta check out that instagram we'll have all the links for the podcast uh for dumpster talk in (laughs) our description so please 
please check them out. Give them some support because honestly, if you just like sitting, you know, kind of near the barbecue, uh, maybe somewhere in Muskoka by the lake with a good buddy of yours over some beers, that's what this podcast is. Uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. And I, I can't wait to uh, to get to be on an episode uh, at some point in the future. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. So, so Mike, listen, you did such a good job. Uh, we had a, a, another wonderful guest. Jono's Photos uh, was originally planned to be on the podcast. We're going to get her in for uh, probably our Miss Marvel Watch Club at some point. Uh, but, um, you know, Mike kind of stepped in here last minute, which uh, we're super grateful for. And thank you so much for doing that. Uh, and because me. of that, Mike, you did such a good job. I think you should come back next week. Do you want to come back next week on the podcast? I'd, I'd more than love to. Penultimate, yeah, baby. Pen- penultimate. Oh, I would oh, never say no to a penultimate podcast. Like, that is just like, yeah. I, that that might have been the, the only reason I said no to this one. If Nate was like, we want you to do this one instead. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Like, oh, you know what? No, I can't. I'm busy. I'm, I'm busy watching Moon Knight right now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll definitely have you on for that. That is cool. it for this week's episode of Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions uh you know what the pharaoh you think is going on uh well listen you can you can just reach us uh by writing in to you know my own personal deity justin the egyptian jackal uh listen justin can you let them know how they can reach us and and you know i'm gonna i'm I'm sending control right over to you uh right now just look at me look at me look at me yeah there you go why, thank you, Avatar. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. I don't like. I don't know if I like the idea that you're the god and I'm the avatar in this situation, but that's fine. Listen, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, uh, also, keep in mind, you know, we've got a ton of other episodes uh, covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Northman. We also have a wonderful uh, interview that Justin had the opportunity to do with the Daniels, uh, the directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, by the way, if you haven't watched Everything Everywhere all at once what are you uh, doing yet. mike Please. have you seen it mike have you i seen haven't it? and i, I need to really need to i really need to do it i really need to do it i see it's, it's, it's your that episode keeps showing up in my feed and i'm like oh, i gotta watch that gotta watch the movie um and uh you know coming soon we're also going to be sharing our review for ozark season four part two uh so we're very excited to see how the birds wrap up that storyline and uh bird, bird, and we're gonna is the word we're gonna bird. be we're gonna be talking about it for sure uh very soon so definitely you know subscribe uh plus we also have our weekly this week in geek episodes where we break down the latest trailers and news every single wednesday uh with the latest episode um that went up i guess just this past wednesday uh where we actually shared our thoughts for thor Love the trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder. Really quickly, high level thoughts, Mike. Did you check out the trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder? Uh, really, really quickly. Is it weird that the only thing that comes to mind is Natalie Portman's biceps? Okay, that part was amazing. <laughs> um, sorry, spoilers. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's the world incredible. building looks amazing. The the yeah. the the quick flash of who I'm assuming is Zeus. Um, seeing the guardians in there and the best thing that I could ever ask for, for a summertime blockbuster hit is Taika Waititi meets James Gunn and just in a huge love fest in another planet. Like that is, that is just amazing to me to perfect to get that as a blockbuster. So I'm in. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Well, listen, Mike, Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this watch club. And as we say, Ladies, Ladies, gators. Gators.